Our Lord God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that uh, we can read in your word about you and what you're like and how you call us to live as your people. Please help us to benefit from this good time now. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I walked along Pitt Street uh, a couple of years ago and I came across a man who, is, who had a fairly dishevelled appearance. He wore some dark clothes and uh, he had a beanie pulled down over his head. And he sat on the uh, pavement with a cardboard in front of him where he uh, put some, uh, used a permanent marker to write down what I would describe as a hard luck story, complete with spelling mistakes. And then at the end of his little story, uh, he had a punchline, and that was, give money to me. Give money to me, but for food, because I'm hungry. And so I'd already noticed that there'd have been a few people who'd thrown some coins in, like you might throw in for someone who's playing a guitar and busking. Uh, but I was in two minds about what to do. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation like that. Do I give him the cash and uh, buy this story that he's written down on his cardboard and think, well, maybe he'll spend it on lots of alcohol and hard drugs? Or do I walk on by with a hard heart and rationalise to myself that in Australia uh, no child should be living in poverty and things like that and that taxation system means that there are transfer payments for people who are struggling? Well, this is uh, one of the, the dilemmas we sometimes face, isn't it, as Christians, where uh, we, we have this topic of generosity to deal with. And so this morning as we look at God's Word, we're going to look at some of the principles uh, from God's Word, which speak to us about generosity. But so that I don't leave you just sitting there hanging, thinking, so what did you do, Peter, uh, after, after you walked up to that guy? I'll fill you in so that you can uh, get your minds back on the Word of God and off that story. Uh, I actually decided that I'd buy him some food instead of giving him some money. So I bought him the best food that I thought might be good for him at the time and useful and convenient. I bought him a cheeseburger <laughs> from McDonald's and a small packet of fries. Uh, I don't think I ate any out of it either. But anyway, um, just to add a twist to the story as well, uh, it wasn't that long later, I saw that he didn't have such a downcast face on his, on his, um, on his face. Uh, he'd actually got up and he was racing around the mall with some of his mates. Uh, he was happy as Larry uh, and he no longer had to sort of beg for food and I wondered whether I'd been had, whether he'd had a lend of me. So there's a little dilemma that we face in being generous too, isn't there? Okay, well what are some of the principles that God gives us from his word? In the first place, if you're following with your outline, you'll see point number one is the character of God. God's the great provider. In Matthew's gospel in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks to us about how we're called to love our enemies. And the reason is because God makes his son rise on the evil and the good and he sends his reign on the just and the unjust. And Jesus concludes that passage saying, You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. God's the great provider. He sustains the world. I sound like Porky Pig then, sorry. He sustains the world uh, and his son shines and things don't grow without it. And he sends the rain even on people who reject him. 
And Jesus says that we've got to be people who take on God's character. We should be like God, he says. We should be perfect, just as our Heavenly Father's perfect. So as God's children, we're to take on the character of our Heavenly Father, who is generous. He's generous even to those who reject him. Secondly, we see something of God's character in the past, with his, specifically with his laws to look after the weak. So I'll just read from Deuteronomy chapter 24, and this, this shows some insight as to what God's character is like. He says to his people, When you are harvesting in your field and you overlook a sheaf, might be a sheaf of wheat or barley, do not go back to get it. Leave it for the alien, which is the refugee, the fatherless and the widow, so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless and the widow. And when you harvest the grapes in your vineyard, do not go over the vines again. Leave what remains for the alien... the alien the fatherless and the widow remember that you were slaves in Egypt that is why I command you to do this now they're stealing my thunder with that little sound equipment okay now these laws reflect the goodness of God's character and we see a picture of this in action and when we come across the book of Ruth we see that Boaz notices that Ruth's come and Ruth is a Moabitess she's joined in with the people of God she wants to have uh, the God of Israel as her God and she wants to look after Naomi and so she actually is allowed to participate in these laws which uh, God's handed down because Boaz is a faithful guy he's a faithful man of God and he lets her glean behind the, uh, the harvesters and so there's Ruth and she's able to go in and collect, collect grain, enough grain, that she, and she works hard so that she can feed herself and a mother-in-law. And Boaz notices this, and he thinks it's, um, it's good what she's done, but he also notices that she's actually benefiting from God's good laws. She's benefiting from God who's generous. She's benefiting from God who provides. And he says, uh, the Lord repay you for what you've done. A full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so God's pictured as this like an eagle or a chicken that's caring for the little chicks. Uh, God's protecting his people. He's made these laws and he has faithful people to actually look after the weak. And so we see that God is given as an example of one who is generous and he cares and protects the weak. And Jesus calls us to be people who are like God in that regard. God's the great provider and he cares for the weak. Well, this theme of generosity also comes up in the New Testament. Uh, hopefully you can hear me at the back while we're still tuning this in. Uh, in the passage that we read today that Peter read, uh, we see that the theme of generosity is picked up and brought to the attention of the Corinthians. Paul's organizing a collection and it's for the church in Jerusalem there's a famine there in the years around 46 and 47 AD and Paul's busy gathering together money from the congregations the Gentile congregations that he's actually preached the gospel to uh, 
He's already spoken to the Corinthians about their responsibilities to contribute to the work of the gospel going out. He said to them, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So he's already spoken a bit about the gospel proclamation and their partnership and role in that. But now there's a a different kind of job that he's calling them to be generous towards, and that is for this famine relief. It seems to be something that cropped up a bit in the New Testament. Uh, In Galatians, when Paul presents his gospel to the other apostles, they say, yes, you can go to the Gentiles, but just remember the poor. And Paul says, yes, I was very eager to remember the poor. And it crops up at the end of uh, the book of Romans. Paul wrote Romans when he was in Corinth, and he speaks to the church in Rome about this uh, distribution of, of famine relief to the church in Jerusalem. This is what he says. When he's on his way, he wants to go to Rome and he pens this. He says, Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Paul's aware of the hardship that the uh, church at Jerusalem is facing on account of their famine. Uh, And so as we've learned, he's organised for this collection to be taken up. And he speaks to the Corinthians a bit about some of the other churches who've got involved. And the Macedonian church is one of them. So if you've got uh, 2 Corinthians 8 open up there, we'll look at verse 4. And Paul talks about how the Macedonian church got involved. In verse 4 he says, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service of the saints. They urgently pleaded. The Macedonian church was very keen to actually be generous. Another translation has it, uh, those churches in Macedonia begged for the opportunity to give. Now, what do you think is funny about that or a little bit strange? It's a bit of a paradox. Well, normally it's the case where you see those guys like the one I met on Pitt Street Mall and they're begging for money. But this church, they're such a, a great bunch of people, they're begging to give money. So it's kind of the opposite. They're normally, normally begging to get it, but they're begging to give it. So that's the first thing Paul brings to the attention of the Corinthians. These, these churches are very generous. Secondly, Paul doesn't try to uh, motivate the Corinthians to give just by pulling rank and using his uh, authority as an apostle to say, you know, I'm an apostle, you better give. Uh, listen to what he says in verse 8. He says, I am not commanding you, But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So he's saying, I'm not not giving this as a command as an apostle to get you to give. That's not the motivation. But here's a chance for you to show what, what kind of metal you are made of, what kind of character you are. Are you like those Macedonians? And in verse 9 he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he, becomes, he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. When it 
comes to motivating the uh, Corinthian church to be generous, Paul's reminding them about how God's been generous to them. He's reminding them that Jesus, who was pre-existing before the creation of the world, it's a cute baby, isn't it? I'll tell you what. <laughs> Jesus, who was there before the creation of the world, comes into poverty uh, and he suffers for us that we might have a rich life with God. Now, that's a different kind of motivation uh, to one that I've heard of before. Paul's saying, God's been generous to you, and therefore you should be generous as well. He's saying the big picture of life is not just that we've got material things now, that we, we need to be stingy, we need to see we've got life with God. And it's a different kind of motivation to ones I've heard from other so-called evangelists try to motivate people to give by. From time to time I keep hearing this story about a man in America who started out a bulldozer company who invented some caterpillar tracks and that he just gave 90% of what he gave to the Lord and uh, he became a billionaire. And the take-home message becomes, go and do likewise. Give to this ministry and you could become a, well, yeah, join the dots and you, know, you think, oh, I better give 90% and I could become a billionaire too. Um, but I'm not sure that's quite the spirit of what Paul's talking about. That seems to be a little bit more like capitalism, where you, you put in and you invest for a return. And at the heart of it, it's not so much, you know, I'm grateful to God's generosity to me. I wonder how I can be generous. At the heart of it's about, you know, what can I get? How can I put in to get some more for me? But Paul's pushing a different barrow to that. He's saying, no, let's think about the big picture and how God, the big picture rather, how God has been generous to us and let's think about how we can be generous as well. Not because of something we can get out and become billionaires and that kind of thing. Well, along with the uh, call to be generous, uh, God's word also talks to us about how we can be loving and fair in our matters of finance. So let's have a look at uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 7 to 10. If you've got that in front of you, Romans chapter 13, I'm going to read to us from verse, beginning at verse 6. And here Paul's teaching us about how we should relate to the state and also to one another with respect to money. In Romans chapter 13, he says, verse 6, he's talking about governors and authorities that God's placed there. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbour, therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. And so Paul, he's talked about generosity, but here he's talking about obligations that we have. And one of the obligations is to pay taxes, the other obligation is to uh, leave no debt remain outstanding. Uh, if we employ people, then we should also pay wages. That's a type of debt. We should pay wages in full and on time. 
This seems to be just growing out of uh, the teaching from our Lord Jesus Christ, who also said, whatever you wish that others would do to you, uh, do also to them. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, we could also apply it a little bit further too, couldn't we? Sometimes um, people seek to get a, a better deal from uh, other Christians, perhaps in business, when they buy goods or services. And they think because they're a Christian, maybe they, that, that applies a bit of leverage to the person who's uh, selling the good or service. But I think this is saying that uh, the spirit is we should be doing to others what we would have them do to us. Uh, trying to screw someone down and rip the price right down so that we get a better deal seems to be more bound up with just looking after our own interests. And it seems to me that if a Christian brother or sister wants to offer you a good deal, well, that's, that's their business. But we don't have a right to say, well, because we're Christians, that's our leverage to screw them down in price. You think that's true? You think that sounds right? I think that sounds like the spirit of do unto others as you would have them do to you, to actually treat each other fairly when it comes to commerce. There is one exception, of course, and that's if they're selling chocolate. And then all's fair. You can, no, that, that was a joke. <laughs> Went flat too. <laughs> well, moving right along. So we're in point four in the sermon outline. We also have a partnership in the gospel. We've seen that we have a, a responsibility with regard to paying due debts to others and also to paying taxes. But we're also given a picture that we have a responsibility to be generous and have an obligation to be involved in the proclamation of the gospel. I mentioned earlier the, the verse from 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul speaks about people preaching, receiving their living from the gospel and he quotes uh, verses from the Old Testament talk about do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain and is it really that God's concerned about oxen? No, he's saying that the worker deserves his wages. But he's, we get a picture of this idea of the obligations that Christians have in promoting the gospel from the book of Philippians. Paul speaks about his connection with the Philippians church as a partnership in the gospel. I'll read out a couple of verses. Uh, in Philippians 1 verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And throughout the book of Philippians, we see something of the partnership between Paul and the church. The partnership involved suffering. He says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you're going through you were going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So Paul suffers in proclaiming the gospel and they suffer as well. Their partnership with, in the gospel involved rejoicing and prayer. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he, he calls them to be people of prayer. And it also involved money. Paul was a tent maker. He actually worked hard so that he could go and proclaim the gospel uh, and share it free of charge. And when people became Christians and churches developed, they got involved and helped support him 
so that uh, other people could also hear the gospel as well. This is what he wrote in chapter 4, verse 16 to the Philippians. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I'm looking for a gift, but I'm looking for what may be credited to your account. I've received full payment and even more. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So these, these people have partnered with Paul in spreading the gospel by giving financially. Now it's remarkable, isn't it, to think that they're just normal people like you and I. Uh, as they say, they put their pants on in the same way as we do in the morning. There's nothing special about them, but they got involved and shared their, their cash with Paul and helped have an impact on the world with the gospel. And lots of people benefited. And the same thing can be said for us, even in our contributions uh, to the mission that our church gives to in our church. We saw the Hansons video. It was impressive to see them getting a handle on Chinese, wasn't it? It's kind of thinking, yeah, well, you could understand that with Leanne. She looked Chinese, but the fact is she wasn't really, she still had to learn the language too. But it was impressive to see they've put their life into that mission. And we're part of that. We actually contribute to that, which is very exciting. Well, I raised a dilemma at the start of the sermon when I talked about that man who I met in Pitt Street who was, who was down in his luck, and then he got a bit happier later on. Um, what about you? Are you ever confronted with people who ask for you to give to them? And do you know what to do when it comes to being people who need to be uh, like God and to be generous? What about, have you ever received a phone call where people have rung you up and asked you for money? Has anybody ever been in that situation? Yeah, you ever had that happen? I thought that might have been the case. One of the best things that Joanne and I have found helpful to do is to actually give some thought to what we're going to be generous to during a year. And we set aside our direct debits and sort out how much we're actually going to give to different groups so that by the time we get to those poor people on the telephone, we can say, well, appreciate your efforts, but the reality is we've already sorted out our giving for the year. And so I don't have to feel particularly guilty and beat myself up about the fact that I don't give to everything that everybody's asking for. There's only so much that there is to go around. Uh, and a good way to get around it is to, for us to be getting organised and working out how much we will give and sorting out ahead of time so we don't always feel guilty when we walk past these people on the streets or who are ringing up, but we can actually think carefully about what we do want to be generous to. Well, this morning we've looked at uh, God's character and we've seen that uh, he's kind, he's generous. He sends the sun and the rain, even on people who reject him. And Jesus calls to be loving and generous like God. We've seen God's laws, how they were to care for the weak, the fatherless, the refugees, and they were applied by faithful people so that the weak would get looked after. We've seen that Jesus was kind to us. He was uh, rich beyond all splendour, and for our sake, he came into the world into poverty and he suffered for us so that we might enjoy rich life with God. And we've seen that Paul's engaged in encouraging Christians to be generous as well, to be uh, responsible in paying their taxes, responsible in paying their debts and wages, and also to be involved in proclaiming the gospel, being in partnership with him to spread it. Well, may God keep working in our lives to help us to be more like God and to be people who are uh, generous, knowing how much generosity we've received as well. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Let's pray. 
Our Lord God, we do give you thanks for uh, being a good God who is uh, generous and cares for the world and sustains it, who looks uh, after those who need help and that you do this through your people. Lord God, we uh, thank you that you've been generous and kind to us, that you've changed our hearts since um, we've come to realise that we need your forgiveness and you've opened our eyes to see Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, who suffered in our place, taking our sin upon himself, that we might enjoy your forgiveness and a rich life with you. Lord God, we give you thanks for the work that you've done in our hearts and we pray that you would help us uh, to really appreciate that and to have a, a spirit of generosity as well. Father, help us to think about how we can bring glory to you by uh, being generous in, in things which are good things to be generous towards. Lord, help us not to be diddled and fooled and uh, taken in, but help us to be mindful of how we can uh, be responsible with the, the money that you've given to us and also to give to good things which, which are also involved in your mission so that people might enjoy life with you. We pray that you'd help us to have that good heart and we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.